Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello, Cricket Badgers everywhere. Welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. I'm James taking you through this one. As always, got a really interesting special guest for you today. But first of all, thank you very much indeed to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Much appreciated. Give them a follow as well on Twitter, at tvsportsblog. But let's get into this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. And my guest is Azim Rafiq, the former Yorkshire off-spinning all-rounder of Pakistani heritage. Came across to South York. Yorkshire when he was around about 10 years old got into that Yorkshire team and I saw his very open and honest interview with Wisdom Cricket Monthly the other day just after the George Floyd murder in America, I had Michael Carberry on this podcast who gave me a, a sensational interview, to be honest, where he really opened up about racism in cricket. He described cricket as being rife with racism. That interview got picked up by a lot of national papers, a lot of international papers and cricket media and the Black Lives Matter issues, the Michael Carberry comments, everything was quite high profile for quite a few weeks. And there's a danger, I think, in modern day society that we get all hot and bothered about certain causes causes certain issues then something else comes along we'll move on to that and we'll kind of forget what Michael Carberry Michael Holding Ebony Rainford Brent all of those people have said about Black Lives Matter and racism inside cricket and racism in society and we move on to something completely different and everything just kind of reverts back to where we were before I think it's important that we keep those discussions current and that's why it's important that we get Azim Rafiq onto the things like the Cricket Badger podcast to give his assessment of 
where cricket is, his own experiences of being in that Yorkshire dressing room. We'll talk about his horrendous year in 2018, which is really quite moving. I'm sure Azim will describe himself as a proud Yorkshireman. I am very much a Yorkshire cricket supporter. I've never hidden that on the Cricket Badger podcast. You know that. And this isn't about witch hunting individuals. This isn't about embarrassing certain people. As Azim says in this discussion, it's about raising this issue and trying to make sure that other cricketers that follow in his footsteps are not subjected to the same kind of racism and a lack of support when they really need it. When we started having this chat, myself and Azim, we had a couple of really bad WhatsApp and telephone lines. We tried about three or four times. So you'll hear the first couple of answers that Azim gets are a little bit muffled. They're not the best quality, but stick with it because it gets better as we go along because we found a WhatsApp line that actually did the job in the end. I'm full of admiration for Azim for coming out and sticking his neck on the block, really, and trying to give his side of stuff and trying to further the cause of cricketers that come after him. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome onto this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast somebody I know quite well from my time as media manager at Yorkshire, Azim Rafiq. It's that Badger style. I was thinking about you and your time with Yorkshire and I, I thought back to one moment at Old Trafford, I think it was 2011 when you'd taken three wickets and then you'd, I think Yorkshire needed something like 10 or 11 off the final over and you flicked one down to third man and then reverse flicked another one down the other way to fine leg and won the match for, for Yorkshire on television in front of a packed Old Trafford crowd. There's some happy memories there, aren't there? Yeah, there's a lot of happy memories and I think um, I'd been on loan uh, to Derby, I went away, saw performances, and then then got uh, got called back and got put into the team straight away. Old Trafford, I've always enjoyed playing there. I remember Craig White being very encouraging into trying to get us to be a bit more unorthodox, and uh, yeah, I put the work in that week, and just I thought, well, why not? Let's be brave and let's go for it, and uh, it came off. I must admit, when when I watched that and a few of the your other performances in 2012 as well, I thought, yeah, this lad's got something going for him here. He's got a, a little bit of uh, character to sort of stand in front of a crowd at Old Trafford which isn't necessarily the friendliest to Yorkshire in a T20 and to have the presence of mind to play those shots and the bravery to play those shots there's, you need a bit between the ears to do that don't you? Yeah it's obviously uh, I think when you're young as well you sort of you don't you don't think what it can, it can go wrong um, sort of uh, you, I think once you get in the system a little bit that sometimes it can it can be coached out of you or it can be sort of you, a little bit more fear can be put into you but as when you're young coming through you're sort of uh, just a lot more braver and a lot more fearless yeah the, you, you haven't experienced the the bad side too much then have you and so the, so the fear of defeat isn't isn't quite a severe there was a, a number of really good youngsters in that Yorkshire side at the time. Obviously, I've got the TV on at the moment. Joe Root's on my screen in front of me. He's he's around about the same age as you. Gary Balance, Johnny Bairstow, some really good youngsters there. And I I remember saying that you know all four of you were gone and play for England. Three did, and you didn't. Is that is that a, a, a disappointment? And what what do you kind of put that down to? First and foremost, it's absolutely brilliant to see them doing as well as they've done. Um, Rookie's still in regular contact with Rookie, so it's um. Absolutely brilliant to see what he's gone on to achieve an incredible person he's become. Look, obviously, I think you need a lot of luck um, in cricket. Uh, timing and stuff is everything. Obviously, it was my dream to play for England, something I gave everything to. And it just wasn't to be. There was a lot of other factors that, obviously, some I've spoken about. He's an incredible bumpy ride. Um, and uh, no, look, it's a look, it's, um, it's, it wasn't meant to be. And um, I'm incredibly proud of what I've managed to achieve in the game as long as I did captain uh, at such a young age obviously I knew the challenges that I was facing day in day out and to overcome all of them and still achieve what I have done I'm pretty close 
proud of that. Let's take you back to the start. Born in Pakistan, I've got it on record here that you came across to Barnsley about in, in about 2001. So you spent your first about 10 years of your life in Pakistan and then came over to Yorkshire, is that right? Yeah, that's right. 2001 is uh, when we moved over here. You hit the ground running when you came across. Were you playing cricket already in Pakistan or was cricket something you discovered when you got you came to South Yorkshire? Oh, look, I think you play, I grew up playing on the streets, playing in where, where I lived in the evening and stuff. But something I loved, but I think more, more sort of proper cricket in terms of hardball cricket and uh, a little bit more structured cricket uh, only happened when I moved here. And when did you realise you were quite good at it? Because you captained England under-15s, you, you captained uh, the England under-19 side at the World Cup as well, didn't you? And that, that included the aforementioned Joe Root in that side. Um, Josh Butler, Ben Stokes was in that squad as well. I think in your, in your mind, I don't think you, you quite realise that uh, you just play cricket, you enjoy it and, and you just sort of... Uh, Build, build up year in year out. You just sort of try and build and try and get better, and you just want to make your family proud and um, try and get. Um, obviously, when you start realizing what it's all about, then you, you you have that dream to go on and like I had a dream to go on and play international cricket and be the best I could be. And I think, uh, yeah, like I said, it, you don't really think of it too much when you you just try and get better every day. When you came to Barnsley, Azim, and you must have um, been scoring a lot of runs and, and taking wickets to impress to get through to those England uh, age group sides and, and what have you. What was the day when you actually thought, I can actually make make a living out of this? This this could be a career for me. Yeah, like I said, you don't really realise it till it's sort of. Um, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really realise it uh, till I till I was playing first team cricket. To be honest, uh, what it was all about. Um, was just playing something that I enjoy playing, and uh, uh, I just. Yeah, mum and dad just drove me everywhere and got told there's a game here and just went and played it. So, no, I, I, it wasn't something I didn't really realise all of it until I really played first in cricket, to be honest. Am I right in thinking, Azim, that you, you made your first-class debut the same game as Johnny Bairstow? Because I can remember standing in the West Ham with a video camera in my in my job, and I'm sure I took video of your first um, walk out to the middle. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same game we made our debut. I thought Johnny made it a game after... I wasn't. I'm not too sure. Mine was against Sussex, uh, Sussex, uh, Headingley. I know it's close together because I can remember doing those little videos. Of, I, think, uh, I think Johnny might have been the game after uh, at home against Somerset. Yeah, and do you, I mean, you, you obviously um, made made waves. But I always thought of you as being, um, yeah, you had your, most of your success. You scored a hundred against Worcester, didn't you, down at uh, at New Road, and you took wickets in the first class game. But you had the majority of your success in the T Twenty, and then in, in the white ball, you and Adil Rashid together in those middle overs, you could really squash the opposition batsmen down, couldn't you? Yeah, I think that that um, is a tricky one. That that's something of, I mean. Look, uh, my personality sort of leads towards the um, the one day in the T20 game. It's something I enjoyed a lot, but I think like this is where I'm at about timing. I played that. Uh, I made my debut. I think I got five wickets in the game. I played this second game at Worcester, and I'm sure I got wickets in that and got a hundred. Pretty sure the game that Johnny made his debut, I was left out against Somerset. Right. So I I never really really felt like there was belief in me. And then in 2012, um, where when uh, Rash was struggling a little bit. That's uh, when uh, I felt like there was a little bit of belief shown in me by Fab and Dizzy, and I thought of, uh, and I felt like there was. I mean, I, I remember we we didn't really have many other options. We were in the Division Two in terms of bowling, and uh, there was a lot of belief shown in me where I was actually throwing the ball. I bowled. I think I played about 40 odd first half games or somewhere around there, but I reckon in quite a few of them I bowled. Well, I reckon a few of them I didn't touch the ball or in uh, quite a few of them I would have bowled less than 10 overs in 
So that's something I found really challenging. And I think that's part and parcel of um, being a spinner in this country. Yeah. Uh, but that's something I found really challenging, actually not not being involved. In terms of the one day in a T20 game, that is something that, uh, in terms of planning out the day, planning out the, uh, my bowling, I found a lot easier tactically. I knew I was going to play a part. You always struck me as being somebody that had quite a lot of belief in yourself. I don't, I don't mean arrogant. I don't mean that in a bad way. But you always seem to be quite confident as a, as a person. Is that is that me taking you right? Or did I misunderstand you? I think uh, coming into the whole system and that, I, I think you've got it absolutely bang on. I think, to be honest, at times you would say I was probably on the wrong side of overconfidence. Uh, but I'd much rather it be that way around than what actually ended up happening to me over my time at Yorkshire and sort of spending that time around two people, how that was slowly, slowly, slowly sort of that turned into, became a person that I was unrecognisable. Really, at times, um, I wasn't sure about myself. and But yeah, I mean, me as a person growing up, me as uh, entering cricket, my early years, you'd, you'd probably say, yeah, uh, very confident. I was, uh, uh, I spoke my mind. What if there was something I felt I, I believed in, I thought I went with that. And I had full belief in myself, no matter what anyone else thought about me. You were released by Yorkshire in 2014, wasn't it? And you had a little period out, out out of the game. I know um, a few people at Derbyshire, and I know you went to trial. You'd, you'd already had a bit of a stint with Derbyshire, hadn't you? And you went to trial with them, and they said that you were had the yips a little bit. You had, you'd lost all confidence in your bowling at that stage. How, how tough was that to deal with? 2014, uh, it was a cricketing decision. I'd picked up a couple of knee injuries. Uh, I had a knee operation, and I really, really struggled uh, with my uh, long-format cricket because of that, and that slowly, slowly transformed into my bowling, uh, my cricket full stop. And I, yeah, I, I struggled. Um, it was a difficult time for me, but um, I got myself, I worked my nuts off. I got myself uh, back in uh, back in there and uh, firing at all cylinders. And probably I, I, when I went back, uh, I felt like I was bowling better than I ever have. You'd taken wickets and you'd, you'd scored runs in, in club cricket, hadn't you? That to kind of alerted Yorkshire that you were back on on your A game and, and we're worth taking back again? To be honest, I think a lot of these things are a little bit media-led, PR-led. I'm not sure. Uh, it wasn't like I'd uh, got 10,000 runs or 1,000 <laughs> runs or got loads of wickets. It was nothing like that yeah. at all, to be honest. It was more, obviously, the reason was cricket and reason. And, uh, and look, for whatever reason, uh, there was the, the fact is that uh, Rash went and played for England and there was a gap there. And they, they trialled a few people and they, couldn't, they didn't find... Um, even though it kept getting reiterated to me when I did go back how much of a favour they'd done for me but actually the fact of the matter is they couldn't find a replacement and they felt like uh, I could do a job again and that's where it came from There wasn't it wasn't like I'd gone to the Yorkshire League because uh, it was only three or four games I played and uh, got um, like five for every week or anything like that right. it was just uh, from my point of view I was back bowling the way I was before I had my injuries Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Let's talk about that year 2018, which is a horrible year. I've got three kids, Azim, and I can't, I can't even begin to think about how having a stillborn child would make you feel. And you had that in May of 2018 and then a few months later released by Yorkshire. That That is tough i mean the stillborn child is, is 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 horrific it's horrible to happen to anybody but then to actually lose your county contract after that as well where, where did that leave you nowhere 
No, I, I, uh, I felt, to be honest, James, it wasn't just that the whole nine months of pregnancy was difficult. I can openly have spoken about it. I can openly say it was very difficult. At times, I got phone call when I was at training, uh, when um, from the hospital, and at times it was really difficult. And um, look, I'm not. I mean, it's pretty clear what where I'm heading and what I've. I mean, support would would be a sort of compliment, really. If anything, I felt like that got used used um, against me. And there's a few situations which I could talk about. There's a few situations I've got. That there is, it's not hidden, and I felt like the decision had already been made on my future, and uh, ultimately it got my situation that I was in, which I mean, no fault of my own, um, horrible situation. I won't wish on anyone, and it was the way that was used to get um, what they wanted. That that's what left more than anything. That's what's left. Uh, yeah, no, no two ways about it. I'm, it broke me, and it really. Yeah, it really. It's, I mean, the stillborn, really difficult. The nine months leading up to it was horrible, but the aftermath is um, was incredible. It's so so difficult, and I mean, uh, I remember one of my last last meetings. Um, an individual made the courtesy to actually come out and see me, and uh, said that they would uh, support me in everything. I think I got a little email, and that's the last I heard from anyone. So. Um, all from my point of view, there's a like I said, it, it killed me for a long, time. it killed me for a while really. I didn't want to be anywhere. I lost all trust in anything and everyone uh, really because these are the people I have spent. I spent the last best part of a decade around, um, who I thought had my best interest. And I can look, they were under pressure. Team was losing. Every everyone were questioning everything, but that lost my faith in humanity. It really did. The way it was done. Yeah, horrible. Like I say, I can't understand. I can't even begin to imagine, and I don't really want to, how, how hard that was for you. And you, you, you're looking for your employer, whatever walk of life you're in, to be understanding, I guess, in that kind of situation, aren't you? Aren't you? And um, and to support you rather than offload you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, especially when you you've been told uh, otherwise all along, then that that in itself, and yeah, like you said, in that situation. But especially, I've seen I've seen other people get supported for things. I mean, I would never say it, uh, anything is smaller than others, but I know carrying my little boy from the hospital to the graveyard. But I I, I don't know what could get harder than that in life. So to get and I just yeah the I remember one of the last meetings. Um, I was there. I couldn't I could hardly speak. Two people in the hierarchy was too busy looking at the clock. They weren't really interested in the slightest and look obviously they might have thought for a long time that just like everyone else it's done dusted gone a couple of a uh, couple of news articles and they've been done it's not about me anymore james it really isn't um i wouldn't i feel like a pretty strong and it nearly tipped me it nearly tipped me i wasn't far off i just think to myself if i don't stand up and raise a voice even if i have to stand up on my own i will because it could happen to someone else, and it might hit them. And then when, it, and then who's held accountable? Then you'll see a lot of tweets. Then you'll see a lot of hashtag cricket community. Then you'll see a lot of uh, support for each other. But why support? I went it too late. But I can tell you day in day out, this is these sort of things are happening. I wouldn't want anyone else to go through it, and that is my whole aim of this now.
I'll be honest with you, mate. I'm, I'm actually struggling to get past that sentence you said about carrying your, your stillborn child to the graveyard. That is a pretty powerful image that's put into my head, and that's a, that's a, a, a horrific. I, I really feel for you. Fed up of collecting your team's matchday subs? Worried about carrying cash post-COVID-19? Try slateapp.co.uk. Less contact than contactless. Slate, the smartest way to collect weekly match fees and more. Download the app, slateapp.co.uk. Not just for cricket, any clubs that collect subs. It just makes sense. Stick it on the slate, slateapp.co.uk. I mean, get, getting on to the sort of the British Asian stuff and the, the racism stuff that was raised in the Wisdom article, it made me think about my time there. My time was alongside your time, really. You were about 15, I think, when I first met you, and coming through the ranks. And obviously then you made your debut and you were around all the way through um, to when I left. And it made me think about my time at Yorkshire. And did I, did I see racism there? Did I, was I conscious of that? And I, I can't, can't honestly say that I did. But obviously I'm not you, and I wasn't actually in the dressing room 24-7. So, so, I mean, I had Michael Carberry on the podcast. That interview was picked up by a lot of people. And Carb said that, um, he was somebody that actually spoke out about it at the time. If somebody called him something or he, he was not happy with the situation, he, he would he would fight back. And he said that actually cost him, I think his words were, it cost me my career. And he said, you know, other people have to kind of think about that. And they balance whether they stand up, stand up at the time or whether they talk about it later or whether they just bury it all together and just move on because they're conscious of the fact that the guy that you might be complaining about is picking the, the team. Whereabouts in, in that kind of spectrum do you fit? Yeah, look, I think, uh, I mean, I saw bits of cards and stuff. I think a lot of things he said is exactly bang on. I don't know if uh, at the start, if it was there or not. I don't know whether I was oblivious to it all. Is there comments made that you look back and think, why the hell did I let that, uh, why, what was that all about? And yes, there is. Should I have stopped it? Yeah, we should have. But I think to myself, why didn't I stop it? Um, and a lot of it, well, I guess it gets down to the fact is, if you do, you're made out to be the bad person. Um, I, I I spoke up about it once, and my life was made hell after that. That is a simple fact. Do I think there's institutional racism? It's at its peak, in my opinion. It's worse it's ever been. That's just me being bang straight honest. I think stats don't lie. I think you look at number of players. Mm. That's an indication. I think you look at number of staff. I don't know for definite. So this is just my my uh, sort of opinion and what I think is happening. I mean, some of the comments I could talk about here, and it, it would bring massive, massive, and I'm talking some very high-profile players, some very high-profile people, some very high-profile administrators. And you think of it, and you, you're at the club. I mean, I can men- I'll mention one thing, because it doesn't involve any individual as such. We played a game at Headingley, and a young, young Asian kid was thrown, a full glass of beer was thrown over his head at Headingley in the, in the stand. We found out about it in the dressing room after, and everyone found it funny. Well, I didn't. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I think he might have been given a little signed jumper as a as a, a thing. I I can't remember for definite, so don't quote me that. But I don't know what. But that's not funny at all. And that's 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 only a snippet. Could sit here and talk all day on it. But what I don't want to do is, I don't want it to become me against them. And it loses the purpose of what I'm trying to achieve. Try and not let this happen to to the next 
one of the things that I mean, I was involved a little bit of it in it when I was at the club is obviously using the likes of you and, and Adil and Ajmal, who was around at the time. Moen came through a little bit later, didn't he? As kind of role models, because Yorkshire had always had a bit of an issue of trying to attract the British Asian population in Yorkshire to come and buy tickets effectively. So there was the mercenary aspect there and to try and open the club up to more supporters and a big support base that you know, obviously love their cricket, but don't necessarily see themselves as Yorkshire supporters. Is that something you can you took as part of the job, or was that was that something you found difficult? No, I think it was encouraging. Like at the time that you were there, there was four of us. Always there were four or five. There were a few academies. So there was five, six of us at all times, and you didn't you didn't feel isolated. You didn't feel like you had you had to do stuff to fit in, or you didn't feel. But as the time has gone along, you go through. You can just go through the years, and like I said, the stats and the numbers won't lie to you. It's actually staggering. To say, I'm, if I'm not wrong, I don't think there's one on the staff right now at Yorkshire. I find that really, really staggering. But at the same time, I don't because I know what happens on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, to be honest, it's, it's actually, like I've said in a couple of my tweets, people higher up need to wake up. It needs to stop being a PR activity. It needs to stop being a funding activity. Yeah. People need to wake up. The next day after my article, there was, a, there was a survey. I don't know if that was a co- coincidence or not, but there was a survey on racism sent out the next day after my article. People, I have still not had, I am not expecting to, but it seems like it might be, oh yeah, it's going to be a couple of days and then it's just going to wash away. There's going to be something new. I'll fight on my own. I will fight on my own because I do not want anyone to go through what I went through. There's, there's a difference in there between in institutional racism. And I, I, when I did the interview with Michael Carberry, I was really surprised at some of the responses I got on Twitter because I, I anticipated that people would say, and a lot of people did say, yeah, well done, Carbs, for standing up for yourself and, uh, you know, it's an important subject and, and, you know, kind of well-played kind of stuff. But a lot of people said, well, there's no racism in cricket, institutional racism, phew, yes, that's, that's elsewhere. But the whole point of institutional racism, um, Azim, is that it is... In the in the bricks and mortar of a place, isn't it? It's the it's the belief system inside a, a building, and a lot of um, cricket is run by white people for white people primarily, isn't it? And that's where that kind of culture comes from. So the rules and regulations are set for white people by white people. Yeah, look, obviously, look, like so. You, I know one of the first things one of the coaches uh, academy level is when there's an. Um, I I spoke to uh, a commentator about this. Like a few years ago and he talked about when he was at his club uh, there was an Asian guy who came and trained with the first team and he asked the uh, the, uh, the guy asked um, asked the coaches about him what he'd like as a lad and that and one of the coaches oh he's thick as anything he's just thick he's this he's that he's thick um, anyway so obviously got to play a little bit of second level with him and he found out he was doing, doing something like aerospace engineering and something as clever as that Yeah. now he goes back and goes, you told me he was sick, he's studying out, how can he be, how can he possibly be sick? And it, you'll see it, I've seen it. An Asian lad comes on, the first thing, uh, one of the coaches at Yorkshire, you, they'll just call him, there'll be this thing of like, he's sick, he's this, he's that. And because there's no one in the staff, who will actually, no one in the coaching staff, or no one in the hierarchy who has any sort of understanding of what might be happening in his life, He's just deemed as a, because he might be a little bit different, he's just deemed as an outsider straight away. You said in your wisdom piece, Azim, I had a captain who was openly racist. How did that manifest itself? What was said? What was what made you think that that was the case? Look, 
I'm not going to name names, but without naming names, this gentleman at times, like, you felt like he he could say stuff and literally the whole place would find it absolutely funny. People who know him know that he's racist. There is no two ways. There's not even a, like, maybe, maybe not. This guy is racist, and that is a fact. I mean, some of the, I could, I could literally go on, but from socialising times to when you're when you're at a, um, at a game, there'd be comments made, and you'd be like, "Why? Why did I let you, you?" I just think back, and to be honest, I think to myself, "Why? Why did I not say anything?" But then I think, right, the one time I did, what happened? So if I'd have said that earlier, I probably wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't have played for as long as I did. So, so when you did stand up for yourself or for what you know, for what was said, you were dropped from the team. What, what was the what was the repercussion of that? When I had uh, when I raised this point um, after that, I mean, everything was just different. I felt like I wasn't played as much of, the, of a part. If I did play, I didn't really get the ball, and I just felt like that was it. Um, I, there was one uh, one game I think at Oval. I had a bit of a calf. I had a bit of a calf problem. I kept cramping up or I felt like something I'd come off seen the physio did a few tests anyway physio did whatever he had to do I went back on or I stayed off for a bit and I went back on and I was on and off I find out three weeks later that the captain and the coaching staff I told told the other players that I was faking injury I found that someone who's so proud of like and I'd run through a brick wall on a cricket field I found that Really, so when I went and questioned, the reply wasn't. We shouldn't have said that. The reply, the reply I got was, "Well, your your test didn't come up with anything, so that makes it all right for the coaching staff and the hierarchy to tell the whole, tell some of the other players that they thought I was faking injury." I found that really, really, really hurtful, really, and I that that wouldn't happen to other people. And that, that's the difference, isn't it? Some some things that are said to you, that it doesn't have to be, as in Rafiq, you are a, and whatever words follow that. It can be subtle, can't it? You know, the, the racism can be very subtle as well. And in that instance, it's doing something to you that's different to what they would do to a white guy in the dressing room. Well, look, that Lord's game, that Lord's game when we, when we had a chance to win it three times. Yeah. There were two players that didn't play that game. One, uh, one of them was absolutely belated in the, Press in on Twitter on uh, social media and one one guy uh, didn't no one said anything about one guy and he was he was actually doing a masterclass at Lords while we were playing the game. Johnny Bersu and Adil Rashid you're talking about there, isn't it? There you go. So why why one rule for one and one for another when when Rash had actually told them about his family situation? Yeah, and that still gets talked about so now. That, that still gets talked about now. I see when. I, I, because I'm a big fan of Rash. I, I, I used to love Rash, and I, I, I think he's a terrific bowler. I was so pleased to see him win the World Cup and get the success that he's, he's, he's had. But I've said, you know, for a while now, why don't they use him in Test cricket? But every, every time I, I bring that up on Twitter, people, people from Yorkshire say, well, look at him. Look at what he did back in that, that year that you're, you're talking about. He, he, he's not to be trusted because he let the team down. But it's far more to it than that, isn't there? Look, that is proof. Proof is there. Two people. One told you two weeks ago, one, I don't know what this is, one got absolutely belated because of someone from the club tweeting, the other one completely fine, doing a wiki-keeping masterclass. 
I, it's not the fans that I'm having a go. Oh, it's not, I don't oh, feel. No. I, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for them a little bit because at the end of the day, they can only go on the information that's been given to them. And I, let me tell you, 90% of the time, they're, they're lied to, and that's sad. That's a fact. That, but that is sad. They didn't absolutely. That I mean, I don't even need to give any sort of my side of it. That is just straight fact proof in front of everyone. Judge it yourself. Sports betting media. A brand new in-play betting experience has landed on Hot Mike, the only watch party platform for live sports. We are sports betting media, and we don't just watch the sport, we highlight the best in-play bets as it's happening. Watch the match with us, and we'll provide the best betting hints and tips that we can find on the market, reacting quickly as goals go in, penalties are awarded, and both are then ruled out by VAR. We're live during every game of the Club 2020 Champions League and Europa League tournaments, and you can join in too. Download the Hot Mic app on Android or iOS and sign up using the code SBM. Follow Sports Betting Media, and you'll be notified when we go live. Listen to us, bet in play, and watch the match all at the same time. Sports Betting Media on Hot Mic. Tell me about that day when you were running out onto the field and you had, uh, was Ajmal, um, Adil and Rana Naveed alongside you? And somebody said to you, um, when you were coming onto that field, there's too many of you lot, we need to have a word about it. Was that said in jest as a joke or was that said as, a, as a, an aggressive point? It's, it's wrong either way, but... I mean, look, it wasn't said in an aggressive way, but that is that is exactly what happens. It gets disguised as banter. Yeah. That isn't banter and that's not funny. And it definitely wasn't banter. And definitely wasn't funny. Especially when it comes from someone such a high influence in the game in this country, you think, oof, yeah. right, that's the thought process. Because there will be dressing rooms, won't there, where they maybe got three Asian players in, 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 the, in the side and they will think it's inclusive and it's funny and it's involving them in the jokes to say things along those lines. That's where you get into really dodgy ground, isn't it, when you start to do that? Yeah, I'm not, I don't find any, any of the part of that funny at all. Yeah. I don't see how anyone can. Uh, it's, it's just not funny. Like I said, if it, as well, especially if when it comes from someone who's got such a big influence, um, it really makes you worry. And how does it make you feel then? I mean, we, we talked about a few things that have happened to you. How, do, how does that make you feel? Presumably, it makes you feel less less a part of the team, does it? Oh yeah, you feel isolated. You don't feel part of it. You don't feel. You feel unless you do. I, I, I'll be the first one to put my hand up. I've made some made some mistakes. I've tried to fit in. I've done stuff that I I definitely should, shouldn't have done just to fit in. And the minute the minute I stopped doing that stuff, I was isolated. I felt on my own. It was horrible. And some people look. End of the day, I said it. I honestly don't care. People can do what they want. They can judge me as they want. They can do. Uh, it's, this is not for a judgment of social media or judgment of people. I'm not silly. I know full well. The, literally, this could make make any chance of me being in the game difficult. I know that. But uh, if that does happen, I know that what I'm saying will even be proven even more right. But I'm not silly. I'm I'm on my own fighting against some big people. Sorry, if somebody from Yorkshire listens to this, or anybody in cricket listens to this, what 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 do you? If you could actually, yeah, look down the lens. Obviously, this is a podcast. That's impossible. But if you could actually say something to them, you know, you need to change because you need to do X, Y, Z. What would you tell them? Look, uh, from my point of view, the simple fact is, I want the authorities to wake up. There needs to be some sort of accountability. You can't. This can't carry on because you're gonna get. You're gonna. Uh, you're gonna get a situation where it tips someone over the edge. I'm telling you, it, it, it will tip someone. It's high time the authorities wake up to it. 
You're, you're 29 now, mate. So you're you're far from finished in terms of playing career. Um, you've just mentioned that you know, maybe speaking out makes it harder for you to get in the game. But have you have you given up hope of playing professionally again? No, no. Um, I I mean, obviously, I've, I'm not. I'm at that stage where I'm not going to run after it because I know the pain that it's put me in as well. So I, it's time I need to really uh, spend my energy on because, uh, like I said, the aftermath of the of the event was everything from physically, mentally, and financially. So and I'm just sort of getting getting myself uh, in a stage where putting food on the table is not not a worry every week. So, like I said, uh, from that point of view, I mean, my long term ambition is to be a coach because I think that's uh, I think that's really when you, where you can make a difference. But like I said, I think right now I've never had been when I was first coming through. Little part of me was lost, but I feel like um, that little part of me is back. And uh, I'm I, if I have to stand up on my own, I this is not going to be two days, three days, speak up and then go quiet. And uh, I just want something to be done so it doesn't happen to other people. I'm going to give you two examples of, well, two two moments of your career. There's the moments at Durham, I'm sure you remember it, when the, the game was called off. I ended up having to ferry a, a press release to Martin Moxon. It was a passport issue that you had, wasn't it? And uh, Yorkshire were, t- were taken out of the tournament that year. Um, and we had to do a little bit of... Uh, I think we, we put I put you up for a radio interview and we, we filmed you coming out of your car to try and stop people harassing you after that because you were getting a little bit of grief at, at your home at that stage. Um, was there any repercussions from that, from what people said to you in terms of, with racial connotations, or was that just taken, were you supported from there? Racial comment, you have, from the minute I started playing as an 11, 12-year-old, you get that. Yeah. That is, that is, if anyone, you get it on the field, you, you just get it. That is a fact you just sort of become hard-skinned and you uh, try and uh, sort of block it all out the best you can. When it's on the outside, it's a little bit different. Like, you can, it's like you block it out. When it, it really affected me when it came from the inside. That That is when it really, really affected me. Because these are supposed to be your teammates, the people that you you run through a brick wall for and, and support each other. Yeah, and these are supposed to be not just your teammates, some blokes that have sort of gone out of my way to help. And uh, I, I always did that for any anyone and when it when it came to my time um i yeah i was i was on my own this is not i mean obviously apart from a few i should have been absolutely like an older brother absolutely brilliant lizzie came to when came to the hospital and gave uh he was with me throughout that process so to name a couple um but yeah it was it, to be honest it sure it showed it took my faith away from cricket cricket as in the cricket community it was horrible and um, like I said, it, it's now I'm I'm not silly. I'm 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 not punching any. I'm not mincing my words. I'm not being political. Uh, this stuff I know it's already had a reaction. And uh, till something gets done about it, it's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, having opened up now. It'd be silly for me not to sort of um, really try and make a difference. How was it taken in the dressing room when you were made Yorkshire captain? Andrew Gale was injured, wasn't he, in that 2012 um, season? And the you took over the captaincy of the T20 and did really well from memory. Six or seven wins on the bounce, wasn't it? And the, got the club to finals day that year. Uh, was that was that accepted by everybody? Was there any any kickback against a young British Asian getting that job at that spate, at that stage? Like I said at the start, you sort of thought uh, it, you're oblivious to it, or you thought just fly with it. And you, I mean, Fabi and Dizzy were amazing. They were amazing for the club. They were amazing for the players at the club. So, I mean, around that time, you put, there's no surprise there was so much success 
I mean, th- th- it was just a completely different place. Like, from that point of view, was there other comments? Yeah, there was. But you sort of, you know, when you, it's not in the inside too much or you don't feel like it's people in the inside. It, you, you can override it. You can sort of push push it back and sort of crack on because that's what you've been used to doing. But um, like Carl mentioned a little bit, it's, it's little comments like it's little car where the brother's going and stuff. It, it, it just adds up and then it, to add to it, the situation two years ago, it just sort of, it, the situ- uh, the thing was like, wow, so people have been saying it, you've been ignoring it, but they're right. Thing, uh, one of the things I remember that Carb said um, was that, you know, as a, I mean, in his case, as a, as a black guy um, growing up, you got you have to pre- kind of prove yourself twice, almost as a cricket. You know, you, one is as a cricketer. You know, a, a white guy coming up through the ranks proves himself as a cricketer, and that's all he has to do, and that's that's tough enough. But as a black cricketer, you have to prove yourself as a cricketer, and then you have to get over the racial side of stuff at all. So the kind of the journey is harder. Can you can you relate to that? Without a doubt, you have to be extra special. First and foremost, even to just prove yourself as a cricketer, you have to be uh, extra more than anyone else for the for the for these things to not even touch you. And then, yeah, without a doubt, hang on. There's no other thing to it. That is that is exactly how it is. You mentioned in your in your wisdom interview the the support you've had from Rash uh, Adil Rashid over the last last few years, and also from the PCA who are who are great in supporting people, aren't they? Yeah, no, look, PCA, PCA have been brilliant throughout, really. As um, a lot of the times when before, even before the last couple of years, when I did feel these things, and I sort of um, I reported it to them, uh, and they're, they're aware of the log of the reports and stuff. So they 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 were absolutely brilliant. They have been throughout always. And, and Adel's a good lad, isn't he? He's, uh, I can imagine him, uh, uh, you, you said that he, he phoned you and, and you've talked to him regularly over the last few years. He, he, he's, a, he's a carer. Uh, he just, uh, he's, he's an amazing human. He's someone this family should be incredibly proud of. He's been amazing, absolutely amazing, above and beyond. Just, just incredible, really. We obviously went through the, the, the horrendous stillborn part of your life in, in 2018, but you've got a... A little one now, haven't you? And and things have moved on a little bit. And you'll never probably get over that at all. Will you that will always leave a little bit of a scar on your life. But uh, there is fresh life in the uh, in the Azim Rafiq family. Yeah, yeah. Now look, he's one year old. He's mad. Uh, he's <laughs> not getting much. Letting me have much sleep, but I won't change it for the world. And like I said, it's not something that you're ever gonna go. It's something you get used. You sort of get used to dealing with as time goes on. Um, I like you said at the start of the interview. I didn't just lose my child, and the aftermath that I brought, um, I had uh, other things that I was battling anyway. And then, to add to it, I lost my career as well um, in uh, horrific, horrific circumstances. So the whole uh, spectrum was really difficult. But look, Allah's the best Anna. Uh, it brought me closer to my religion. It's, um, it's um, probably I'd say I'm happiest I've been for a long time. I've got an incredible family, and I'm just I'm just proud that I've been brave enough to get through it because I know the, the dark days were really dark and, and now I'm even proud of the fact that I have selflessly put my neck on the line to try and make a change for people in the future and that is what I intend on doing. And Azim, I, I settled down to have my tea one night, turned on the television and then your ugly mug appeared on it because you were delivering um, food at the time. So the, the COVID, the lockdown, um, you rose to the challenge of that as well, didn't you? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's to be honest, it was incredible that we see that as a massive, uh, we uh, sort of started the pandemic. I've got a few friends that work in the A&E and we've taken a few bits and bobs all the time. And then we thought, why don't we take this a little bit further? 
Uh, we sort of set, uh, giving free meals to key workers and selling uh, curries on a Saturday night to raise money for the Barbie Hospice. And from that, kicked on to uh, my own business in Rotherham, which is a which is a, a Asian tea tea place, and it's been incredible. It's been really good. We've had uh, challenges there as well, dealing with the authorities in Rotherham, um, but um, no, incredible, incredible. Um, really, we feel like we went out to do something for the people and uh, Allah held our hand and uh, moved us towards this so we're just really thankful yeah I thought that was uh, that was brilliant G- give your business a, a name check at the end of this this piece you might as well uh, give it a plug and you give it a proper plug yeah it's a mucky chai it's called uh, we serve we serve tea in clay pots we've run out of clay pots at the minute because we underestimated it and uh, the delivery from Pakistan is stuck somewhere in the sea but um, then we've got Pakistani uh, Karachi street food and uh, in sweets, we've got these uh, mini Dutch pancakes, which have been an incredible hit. So, yeah, and then we've just started doing uh, traditional uh, Sunday morning breakfast. So it's been incredible, really. It's been only been a month, but it's just been incredible. We've had a lot of interest from uh, people traveling from throughout the country to taste some of my mum's food. And, uh, yeah, really, really delighted where it's at. I wish you every success with that, Azim. I hope that goes really well for you, and I hope that the future brings you plenty of happiness for you and your family as well. And and well done, mate, as well. You know, speaking up, speaking out. Very proud of you for doing that as well. It's been uh, been it's been too long since we've spoken, but it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Yeah, Jim. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much indeed to Azim for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast this week. Some really frank, some really honest, really open discussion there. As I said at the start, it's not about a witch hunt. It's not about trying to work out who is the player that he's talking about in terms of who said that and who said this. It's about just raising this issue, making it current again and making the cricket authorities sit up and listen and actually think, he's got a point there. We should be better at this. We should be supporting our players better than we do and we should be looking at our systems, looking at our dressing rooms and making sure that any player from the BAME community doesn't have to suffer any sorts of racism whether it's banter, whether it's overt, whether it's institutional cricket needs to look within and to be better and it's not signalling out cricket, all of society needs to do the same thing, cricket is not immune to that, can't afford to be complacent I really applaud Azim for coming out and saying what he's saying Thank you very much indeed to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast, give them a follow on Twitter please at TV Sports Blog. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please give it a like, give it a subscribe, leave a nice comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen to it on. And I've been James. Thank you very much indeed for listening and I'll see you next time on the next edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.